this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Bless all of you. If you need a Bible this morning, raise your hand. I'd like to get the Word in you. You know, I know we show the, script, uh, the Scriptures up here, but man, something happens when I open the Bible. I like to look at this. This, this thing is buried treasure. But just like buried treasure, you've got to dig to find it sometimes. And so... Get in the Word. Get, get in the Bible and God will get on the inside of you. And you say, man, you put a high emphasis on the Bible. I do. I do. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's the thing that changed my life. The, the biggest things in my life is I, I didn't serve God until I was 20. Man, I begin to go to church and I begin to get around the things of God. And each Sunday, it's, it's still amazing to me to be up here where I'm at. And it shows you that God will take messes and make miracles when you surrender to Him and live for Him. And you're no different than me, okay? Let's go this morning to Exodus chapter uh, 20. We're going to begin in Exodus 20. You know, every one of us in this room, there are counterfeit gods that attempt to fill your life with things. And they try to substitute for God, no matter what they are. And so idolatry isn't just a failure to obey God. It's setting my heart on something besides God. Now, if you were here, guys, last few weeks we've been talking about the gods that are after our heart and they're relentless even today. You'll see that the gods of pleasure, they're still around today. They're still after our hearts. And so we're going to read here starting in Exodus 20. This was our main topic a few weeks ago, main uh, scripture reference. And this is talking about the Ten Commandments. Now, if you view the Ten Commandments as a bunch of rules and even punishment, man, I'm going to tell you, it's a rough place to be. I like to view the Ten Commandments as guidelines. Because when I live by the guidelines that God's given me, it brings blessing. It brings great blessing. Listen to this verse. Uh, Proverbs 8.36 says, He who sins against me wrongs his own soul. Now, we'll learn some things here in the book of Exodus. Begin with me in verse number 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Amplified says to be withdrawn from common employment and dedicated to God. Now, the Sabbath meant to set aside a day to God. And when when this was written, guys, this was non-negotiable, Okay? But once again, we can jump back into the Old Testament and the New Testament. If it was non-negotiable in the Old Testament, it's now negotiable in the New Testament? No. It's still a big deal to God. Once again, if murder was wrong in the Old Testament, now it's right in the New Testament? I don't think so. Even though people will say, well, we live by grace. Well, I believe in grace. But I don't believe grace is empowering me to sin. And grace, grace has empowered me to live righteous unlike any other time in my life. So this is the Lord who, who's talking about this. Verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Now, in reading this, guys, Think about certain businesses that we, we recognize in our society that shut down on Sunday. There's not very many of them. Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby, 
There's a few of them, and every time I see even a business that's closed on Sunday morning, you know what I understand? The owner of that business still understands the significance of this. He still says, you know what? I'm going to honor God. And not just him, if you'll note there, it said his male servants, his female, his employees, that he wants his employees to be blessed. Something happens. Now, I'm not preaching this to tell you if you've got a job where you've got to work on Sunday, quit. That's not what I'm saying, okay? That doesn't mean that at all. Okay, let's get that thought out of our mind. Some of you are saying, oh my gosh, we've got to quit. No, okay. God understands. Keep reading. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Now, think about this in the terms of this is the creator of the universe. The God who created everything. And he works six days. So you know what that tells me? He's not against work. And then he rested the seventh day. Now, this was such a big deal to Father God that he put it in the Ten Commandments. And he wants us to continue to live by it, I believe. Now, look how he ends in verse 11. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. He set it apart as a holy day. And so when you begin to look at this, he blessed the Sabbath day. So when I honor what God said to honor, even on the Sabbath day, guess what happens? You come under the blessing. But if I don't honor it, then I come under the curse. So once again, in my paraphrased edition, when you honor God on the first day of the week, and you come to church, and you set aside to this day to say, we're going to go to church and we're going to worship God, you've now come under the blessing. Watch what will happen the rest of your week. Now, as a pastor, I see it all the time. When people are in church consistently, I mean, I see the things of God in their life. When people aren't in church consistently, when they're hit and miss, you can always be guaranteed something's going on in their life. I don't understand how it all works, but I do understand this, that God blessed it. Now, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs 21. In saying this, let me ask you something here today. What interferes with the Sabbath in your life? What do you allow to take precedence over the Sabbath in your own life? Proverbs chapter 21. And you're going to see where we're going here today. Verse 17. He who loves pleasure, the message says, he who's addicted to thrills will be a poor man, will have an empty life. Now, if we were to leave here just probably the next hour or so and run up to the mall and stand out there with a clipboard and do a little poll, and you ask people that came by, how are you? The number one response would be, I'm tired. The number two response would be, I'm busy. Now, let me ask you a question. What are you busy and tired from? Many times we're busy and we're tired because we chase pleasure all the time. That's our whole livelihood. And so he says here, he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. 
He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Now, that word loves wine and oil, you know what is represented by the wine and the oil? Lavish eating and drinking. It's what this is talking about. Over and over in Jewish commentary, when you would look at this, it would represent a society or a people that all they want to do is eat and drink. Now think about this. What's one of the greatest topics of conversation in our society right now? Eating and drinking. Hey, have you been to this new restaurant? Have you had Chick-fil-A's new da-da-da-da-da-da? I mean, we can go back and forth. We can go back and forth over and over. Is this sinful? No, it's not sinful, except when we allow these things to become our gods. And when we allow them to become our gods, it changes the whole thing. What do you mean by allow them to become our gods? When it takes the place of God. When this is what I live for, day after day after day after day. And so this is what he's talking about right here. And these things, what we call, is the pleasure industry. And it's based on entertainment and food. And entertainment and food will try to satisfy that appetite within you. But understand this about entertainment and food. It's just a quick fix. It's not going to last very long. And ultimately, it will lead you with a void in your life. It will leave you disappointed. Every one of us in there have faced that before. How many of you were going on this great, great vacation? And you went on the vacation, and when you got back, you had this sense of feeling, man, I got ripped off. Man, my life is still empty. And a lot of times when we go on vacation, we go on vacation and we come back on vacation, only need to take another vacation to rest from the vacation. How many of you have ever been that way? Man, I've been that. You know why? We just run and we run and we run and we run and we run. But once again, we can jump back to what Father God said. And there's got to be a time in our life where we rest, but not only rest, we take time to get into the presence of the Lord. Now go way back into the New Testament, right before Revelations, to second or 1 John chapter 2. Now as you're turning there to 1 John chapter 2, I said earlier that the gods of entertainment have been around a long, long time. If we were to go back into Exodus chapter 32, after Aaron and the Israelites formed the golden calf, Exodus 32 verse 6 says, And they rose up to play and to eat and to drink. Now, it's always interesting to me that after they made that golden calf, that's what they did. They ate, they drank, and they rose up to play. Then if we were to look in Matthew 24, verse 37 through 38, it says this specifically. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. How was it in the days of Noah? They were eating, they were drinking, and they were given in marriage. Are those sinful? Absolutely not. Except when they take our focus off of God, and that's what we live for day after day after day. And that's what happened with the people in the Old Testament. Because now you go go back and look in the book of Noah, I mean the days of Noah, which is in Exodus, and you'll find out that ultimately the whole world was wiped out. 
Because that became their center of focus. Understand this today, that God's standards are in total opposition to the world's standards. You know what I'm telling you here? You're going to have to choose one or choose the other. Joshua 24, verse 15, Joshua said, As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But he said, you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose. Over and over in the Bible, you'll find out you're going to have to choose. Am I going to live for God or am I going to live for the world? Unlike any other time in our society, the pool of pleasure is after us. Uh, 1 John 2, verse 15. Do not love the world, cherish the world, or the things in the world. Now, when you think about the things of the world, the things of the world seem harmless. They seem innocent. But the things of the world are after the throne of your heart right now. Every one of us in here. Keep reading with me. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now when we talk about the world right here, we're not talking about the physical creation of the world. I'm not talking of the makeup of the world. The trees, the grass, the rivers, the mountains, no. When we talk about the world, we're talking about the dominion in this world under, under the devil's authority, okay? That's what we're talking about. Understand that. Now look what he says here in verse 16. For all that is in the world is the lust of my flesh. What is your flesh lust for right now? The lust of the eyes. If you watched the Super Bowl last week, the commercials were designed to go after the lust of your eyes. They could put something on the screen to try to reel you in. This is what this is talking about. So he says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You know what the pride of life is? All my earthly accomplishments. The pride of life is, look where I live. Look where I work. Look what I have. Look at my titles above my name. This is what this is talking about. Keep reading, verse, 16, or verse 17. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. Now understand this, guys. These are designed to pull you away from God. Every one of these. Once again, do they seem harmless? Absolutely. Do they seem innocent? Absolutely. Until they start taking the place of God in your life. It can be as easy as a newspaper. So, newspaper sinful? No, not sinful. Until it starts taking the place of God. He goes on to openly end and say, But he who does the will of God abides forever. Okay? He who carries out God's will will abide forever. Now, we could go back into the Old Testament, and you could look even in the book of Genesis with the woman named Eve. What did the devil tempt her with? Food. Pleasure. They say right now, and I just read this recently, the fastest growing religion in America is pleasure. It's amazing how many things people will do on Sunday outside of church? I want to show you a biblical example of this. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 
Where's Ecclesiastes? Right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And once again, guys, you'll see in this passage that the gods of pleasure have been around a long time. What happened here the other day? I saw this this missionary that was sent to uh, India. And he went into home after home after home in India. And in every family room, living room, there would be a carved image or a carved idol that was put on a shelf or on a hearth. And every chair in that room was strategically pointed right at that carved image where everyone, when they were seated in that room, could see that carved image. And as I thought about this, this is what rose up with me. We're no different. If you went into my house, into my living room, every piece of furniture is arranged specifically pointing at an idol called a TV. How about your computer? Facebook. How about your Xboxes? Now, I'm not anti-TV and I'm not anti-computer, but here's the issue. When TV goes from watching it to worshiping it, we got problems. The average American individual will watch four and a half hours of TV a day. If you can't say amen, say oh me. The average household in America, their TV will be on eight hours a day. But once again, let me ask you this. How many minutes a day do you give to God? Maybe we ought to back that up. How many seconds do we give to God? See, God's not against TV until it starts dominating you. Until you start saying, you know what, I'm not going to go to church today because I love the reruns of the days of our life. See, once again, we can begin to look at all this and we say, but it does no harm. It's innocent. And I'll have people tell me, Pastor, you won't see me on Wednesday nights because I love to watch MASH reruns. Once again, we we feed our our natural man three hot meals a day and we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week, but yet we wonder why we're starving to death spiritually. In in my own life, guys, I, I, I like to work out. I feel better. I think better. Actually, I look better. I don't have the role of the pastor. And so it helps. But one day I was working out, and in between sets I was sitting there, and just in a sweet voice the Lord said to me, He said, I want equal time. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? And He said, I want equal time. And He said, every hour or every 30 minutes that you give to working out your physical body, I would like that same amount of time. Have I been doing it? No, I hadn't been doing it. And I went under a conviction where I realized, golly, I I give more time to this thing that before long it's either going to be dead or it's going to be cremated or it's going to be somewhere. I don't know, whatever Shelly decides to do with me when I die. She might take me to the taxidermy and... I don't know. I don't know why I'm telling you guys that, but just a thought. 
But once again, I just look at all this and I think, what about our homes? You know, last Sunday we, we were praising and worshiping the Lord and after we sang a little bit, we, we stopped and we just got on our knee right here and we worshiped. And I remember being here and it was for two or three minutes maybe. And my flesh started getting antsy. Just like you guys' flesh. And I sit here and I thought, we're so trained to be, to, to be busy. You know, one of the greatest complaints of our society is I'm bored, I'm bored. I gotta do something. Entertain me, entertain me, entertain me. How many of you like that? That throughout the day, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. I gotta watch TV. We'll kick on TV. We'll do this. We'll do that. We just gotta go. I gotta call. I gotta, we're just busy all the time. You just think about it. But yet the only time we can hear from God is when we're still and quiet before God. I've sensed at times that the only time I go to God is to petition Him or to tell him all my complaints, and the Lord saying at times, and I mean this in a, in a loving way, shut up. The only way I can talk to you is you to be quiet. But yet I'm never quiet, I'm never still. Why? Because we're busy. Entertain me. I'm bored. I got tickled a few weeks ago, my granddaughter was there, and, and she made a comment to me, I said, what are you talking about? And she said, Poppy, I'm bored. Once again, this is how we're training our kids that we've always got to be doing something. No, we don't. And I encourage you, this is your homework assignment for this week. Just get before the Lord and kneel before Him and just see how quiet we can get before Him. And I'll guarantee you, He'll talk to you. He'll speak to you. But He's just waiting for me to be quiet. He's just waiting for you to be quiet. I loved it a few weeks ago that when we were coming off the fast, we had several families that said it was a big deal for us to fast TV for 21 days. And you know what many of them said to me? They said, we couldn't believe all the time we had. We read, we studied, we played games with our children. They said it was incredible. But once again, do I go back to those old patterns? Or do I stay focused with Father God? Now, I told you to go to Ecclesiastes about an hour ago, didn't I? I got off a little. Go to Ecclesiastes 2. Begin with me here in verse number 1. I, I don't know about you. It's, it's really hot in here, guys. I, I'm losing weight, okay? It's nothing like coming to church and losing weight. If, if we can get an usher to get that heat off, you will be blessed for doing it. Ecclesiastes 2. I don't want you guys falling asleep on me. Verse 1. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. What's mirth? Well, listen to the next sentence. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. So when he's talking about mirth here, he's talking about having a good time. But surely this also was vanity. Now, one of the themes in the book of Ecclesiastes is the word vanity. The word vanity means useless or meaningless. Okay? Keep reading. Verse 2. I said of laughter, madness. And of pleasure, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guarding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might, what? See what was good for the sons of men and to what? To do under heaven all the days of their life. I made my works great. I built myself houses and I planted myself vineyards. 
Now, this is the man Solomon, the son of David. One of Solomon's houses, guys, took him 13 years to build. Now, if you were to study Solomon's life, Solomon was loaded, guys, and you're going to find out the more we read in this. This guy, he not only had houses, he had an opportunity one time where at one setting he sacrificed 22,000 bulls. That's a lot of bull. Let's move on. He sacrificed 122,000 sheep at once. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's a lot of animals. That's a lot of money. This guy had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And the Lord bless him. A lot. Verse 4. And I made my works great. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants. I had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold in the special treasures of kings and the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great, and I excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, the lust of my eyes, I did not desire to keep from them. I did not withhold my heart, the lust of the flesh, from, my, from any pleasure. Now, when you look at this, guys, he tried to fill the void in his soul by finding pleasure. This was what he was doing. He was always looking and thinking, you know what? It's just another orchard. It's just another house. It's just more male servants. It's just more, 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 more. But, guys, those were never designed to fill us. So keep reading. Verse 10. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on the works that my hands had done, and on the labor in which I had toiled. This is the pride of life. If you'll look here, now he's going back and he's talking about all he had acquired. Look at me, look at me. Look how smart I am. And look what he ultimately says. And indeed, all was vanity or useless. And the grasping or chasing of the wind. How many of you ever tried to chase the wind? You can try, but it's elusive. You'll never get a hold of it. And this was his point right there. I've chased everything that I could, and it's been elusive. And it still leaves me feeling empty. It still leaves me having a void in my life. Now, every one of us in here probably have what I call a Solomon moment. Once again, where you thought, if I just could go on that Disney cruise, life would be well. Let me tell you about the Disney cruise. If you're lucky, it lasts seven days and then it's over. And then guess what? There's a void again. If I could just get that new Mercedes. Guess what about that new Mercedes? The tires wear out. If I could just, and so it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. So are all these things sinful? Absolutely not. Not a bit, okay? 
They're not bad. They're not wrong. But they are wrong when I place all my emphasis on that and I quit looking toward God toward anything. Now look what he goes on to say here at the last. He says, there was no prophet under the sun. That phrase right there, there was no prophet under the sun, was referred to 29 times in Ecclesiastes. He looked everywhere, guys, under the sun. And none were meant to satisfy. I wish I could tell you where you could see this. But after the Super Bowl, there were three or four players from the Seattle Seahawks that were born again. And you know what they said? And it really blessed me. They said, you know, as a football player, it's awesome to win the Super Bowl. That's the ultimate. But they said, after it's come and gone, it's over. And basically, they came back around and said, our greatest joy is Jesus. Our greatest joy is to serve the Lord. Because you know what? Practice will start again before long, and a new season will start again before long. And guess what? Then you've got to repeat it all over again. But they had the perspective in the right order. They weren't against playing football, but that wasn't their whole livelihood. Turn over a couple pages to Ecclesiastes 12. We'll end with this. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter, of the whole matter. Fear God, reverence and worship Him, and keep His commandments or do what He tells you, for this is man's all. And you know what he's saying here? All these other things are going to leave you empty and without happiness. And in Solomon's life, he lived his entire life, and he's toward the end of his life when he looks back and says, golly, this is, this is useless. This was vanity. It took him his entire life to realize he had tried to accumulate things to make him happy. I don't know about you. I don't want to go through my whole life. I don't want to look at the rearview mirror of life and think, man, if I could have just had this one more thing. And many times that's what we look at, just one more thing. Just one more drink. Just one more hit. Just... But guys, guess what will happen? The sun will come up tomorrow. And any time I try to make these things gods, where they become the, the, the pleasures, they leave. But when I make God my pleasure, it makes everything else happy. That's why the Bible says you can gain the world and lose your soul. No matter who you are. I must live devoted to God. Now, I want to put a thought in here with you today when we close here. In, in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus himself said, there are two roads, two gates. One road is wide. It's broad. It's the road where many are on, but it's the road that leads to destruction. The other road is narrow, difficult, with few on it, but it's the road that leads to life. And you know what I think it is more and more? The wide road is the people that live for pleasures. It's the, it's the world that people live are for the things of the world. 
But the narrow road is for the ones that say, you know what? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. And to live for God, guys, that doesn't mean it's boring. It's not boring. I tell you, I have a lot better adventures than Peter Pan ever thought about having. And I can stand before you, Dan. I don't like to admit this to you teenagers. But I've been high on a lot of stuff, and I've been drunk on a lot of stuff, and there is no high like the Most High. There is no high like it. If I can say anything to you teenagers right now, many times I've had ones that said this, well, you did all that junk, and you did all that junk, and you did all that junk, and you turned out all right. I caused a lot of pain to my own life, to my parents, to my wife. That's why I said earlier, I don't want to cause no more pain. And the only way that happens is when I live for the Lord. And I said, Father God, help me. Help me. I had a praying mama too, guys. I remember many, many night coming in, two, three in the morning. And, man, I can still see her sitting there. She'd sit in a chair. And I'd walk in and there she'd be praying. Thank God for parents that never give up on their children. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.